just order food from a restaurant off a of DoorDash. That's true. I could do that. Or yeah. Uber Eats. Oh, yeah. Or Uber Eats. God, we love such a great time. The perfect time to be, to it's, be lazy as fuck. It's, it's probably <laughs> best. You don't have to do anything it's, anymore. You, know, you it's, never have to leave. It's best that I stop being. Clothes. Wait, isn't, what's the service that will actually, you ask them to do something? It's a task rabbit? You ask them to do something, they'll go like go shopping for you, or they'll get clothes. They'll do anything, yeah, for you, pretty much. There's a couple like that. There's one out here that I, I tried know. to apply for, and it didn't work uh, out. Well. Okay, well, you tried to apply for it. Yeah, I can't remember what the name of the uh, thing was. It was kind of like what Joe's talking about, where it's like they just send you out to pick up things for people. Were you gonna catch the bus? Um, well, there was options for people on foot, on bike, and in a car. But huh. the on foot thing, and, and for that matter, the on bike thing probably only works in Seattle, in, in the big city proper. Yeah. But I didn't really go through with it all the way, so I don't know for certain. I was just going by, like, reviews I saw of it. Yeah. I would imagine that wouldn't be... It would be tough to do full-time on foot. Well, no, it was just supposed to be extra money. I still had a job at the time. Or I think it's the same job I have now. I, I almost signed up for WAG. What's WAG? It was, like, same shit, but for dog walking. Ah, dog walking. I made it pretty far, and then, like, at the tail end, they were like, now send us 40 bucks. And I was mm-hmm. like, fuck you. Yeah, it's like, now like pay I, us to work for you, or to, for, like for you to work for us. I even went through the reference mm-hmm. part. Like, and I bothered people about that. Yeah. It was it was really annoying. No, that's infuriating. Like, anytime it's like, oh, hey, we got a job for you. Here's some fat-ass entry costs. Yeah. Which I mean, it wasn't a crazy entry cost, but the fact that there was one, I just it was, and I was already on the fence. And I'm not a dog. Yeah. Guy. Mm-hmm. When I was interviewing for my first janitor job they were like tell me about a time you messed up and then what did you do i hate those questions (laughs) because they seem like an invitation to be like real with the person but they're not uh i don't know what you mean but this is how i answered i was just like yeah like sometimes you break tile because i used to tile with my dad i was just like yeah i broke Mm -hmm. tile sometimes and then you just like Go to the old man and be like, yeah, I broke this. We got more, right? <laughs> uh, okay, that's, that's good. Funny. No, I guess it's more like, um, it's not so much a question like that as so much as, like, okay, what do you think is your biggest strength? Now, what do you think is your weakness? If yeah. I say my weakness is that I sometimes space out, I'm not going to get that job. But if I yeah. say some corny shit like, oh, sometimes I work myself too hard. It's yeah, yeah. That's interesting because that is that's definitely one of the ones that are that's often called out as like bullshit and like yep. people are like this is how you're supposed to answer. But I feel like I haven't 
heard that one in a while. Mm-hmm. Like the last retail thing I did, they didn't ask me that. It was more of like a personality thing. I think probably because at that point they saw my resume and they're like, oh, you, you've done this before. Yeah, you've done quite a bit of this. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, she was also just a, a really nice person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part where it usually falls apart for me with throughout the interview is oh God, I'm so awful. I'm sure if you guys have heard the whole thing about when you interview at Google, they ask you ridiculous riddles and stupid questions you yeah. got to respond to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if there are, if the train's traveling at this amount of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> or if, or if you're and you said you'd never and, need this outside of school. <laughs> yeah. It, well, they actually do it. I mean, all the, uh, I mean, I've interviewed a bunch of, uh, game companies and stuff and they really do ask those stupid questions mm-hmm. and i hate it so much because i'm just I'm awful at it it's just yeah, oh. yeah. it's kind of not what you came it's not what you were like prepared to do well well you should i mean okay you're supposed to be prepared in the sense that it's just a problem solving exercise and uh you need to be like just mentally prepared for those type of questions well you're mentally prepared for a scenario that doesn't have like a clear-cut answer but it seems a little weird to get arithmetic questions when you're like there for a design job or something like that well okay so the whole purpose for a joke because he's like an engineer yeah yeah that's i think it's i don't know how it is for artists or designers i I think it's probably different um but i mean like at least from an engineering perspective yeah, they ask you those questions. You don't necessarily have to solve it uh, as long as your process and, like, your approach to it is decent. That's fine. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. They want to see how well you can problem solve. They don't they care. They want to solve it. know how you think, really. Yeah, that's pretty much um, it's the same way with design. It's they, they, want to, they want you to highlight your process and your problem-solving skills, and, the mm-hmm. way, and they want to see how you think about things. But uh, while we're while we're kind of floating around on this subject, Joe, you had something. One of your topics you wanted to talk about was like college or something. Yeah, I was um, just. I had so I don't know if either of you guys watched the YouTube video that I posted, but it was it's just basically the guy talking about kind of the current state of college, and there's a bunch of different startups popping up here and there, kind of trying to approach college in a different way. Um, I kind of just wanted to go over those and just just really just talk about in general the state of college and how maybe you guys think which it should be approached or what type of schooling, how it should be done, that kind of thing. And the, as well as the state of student debt, which yeah. was, yeah. that was kind of <laughs> startling to hear. Trillion dollars. Yeah. Trillion dollars. That and is it, insane. Like, it increased by like a half recently. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I listed a bunch of the other links. And there too, I mean, there's micro degrees now. There's a school taking a kind of a reverse approach to it where um, you don't have to, the school is completely free, but you have to pay for it. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of stuff yeah. like, I kind of want to dip into a little bit. Yeah, just go into it. Yeah. I, I didn't oh, now? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's kind of, kind of makes sense because we're just talking about interviewing stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just really just wanted to talk about the current state of college i did not go to a traditional college i attempted to but it was not for me i tried to go to a community college did not work out so well so then i went to a um a technical school itd tech which coincidentally is no longer around because they were sued and had to close all their doors Mm -hmm. Um, uh, did you get any kind of benefits or anything from that no, I did not. I can't because I had graduated. I think in two thousand. 
uh, and Fa, uh, 2006. Um, no, it was 2000, yeah, it was 2007. Um, and that whole big, uh, like class action lawsuit and all that stuff, stuff didn't happen until like a couple years ago. So I was not able to get into it, which sucked because I could have got <laughs> student loans taken away. <laughs> yeah. 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 How much do you owe, Joe? I owe $43,000. So, yikes. I, I left school with like 62000 and I think at this point it's probably like, last time I actually looked it was like 72000 uh, I would imagine <laughs> yes. it's it's edging towards like 80000 at this point probably. Like, yeah, somewhere yeah. it's going to get to the point where like even if one of you guys sort of won the lotto, all you'd be able to do is like pay off the debt. Uh, I mean, well, I'll... I'll it's it's actually a pretty manageable amount for a, like if I got a like if one of the contracts I had gotten last year if I had been full time and had that mm-hmm. especially with my low cost of living right now yeah I, I could I could pay that shit off in like a couple years oh okay so it's not too bad I know people who left with like more than double that amount oh yeah I'm pretty sure my uh, brother-in-law has uh way more than that well i mean that kind of brings up another thing i wanted to go over too is that i mean there are always other schools like the art institute i know there's one in san francisco and there's one here in sacramento Mm -hmm. or did they just close that i don't remember but that i mean they the tuition is i think like eighty thousand dollars or something for just their two-year um program yeah and and then there's the phoenix and you know all these other type of schools where they just, man, it just, God, I hate just Sally Mae so much. Let it get out of control and it's pretty It has. Yeah, it's just, it just keeps going up because yeah. the need for them is far greater now. Well, see, like, that's the thing, too. I really feel, like, and a lot of people, I mean, that's why there's so many startups popping up, like Audacity. Well, they've been around for a while, but there's other ones as well where they're just trying to, to some extent, fix the whole education thing because mm-hmm. the traditional way of doing it. I mean, honestly, it feels like high school. You're just going through having to do a bunch of just low-level classes well, to yeah. get to the one want to get to. There's all the prereqs and the, like, almost nonsensical coursework at, at the heart of it. You could probably cut the amount of time you spend in these schools in half, but if you do that, then you're also cutting in half the amount of money they get right and i i that's why i'm actually really supportive of all these other all these you know these new startups coming out where they have um i think it's Khan academy or treehouse i don't remember which one no it's audacity they're the ones that are starting to create like micro degrees now i don't really know if they are like officially seen as like an actual degree mm-hmm. but they're like if you want to do something technical or design or or something, you can take a few courses. I don't know if they're accredited or not, but you can take like a few courses they've created for like I think it's eight hundred dollars for a whole year, and you take a whole set of courses and they'll teach you everything you need to know for that particular job. Like if you want to be a graphic designer, if you want to be a web developer or something, and then you can use that. I think it's basically the equivalent of like a certificate. Maybe yeah, a, like a, a certificate more. program or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's that's good, and because uh, a lot of people will throw education at you as a solution to like 
poverty, just not making enough money. And it's, it's the problem of trying to like solve an immediate problem with a long-term solution. Having something like that helps to kind of reduce that. For sure. I mean, and also too, I think there's still that pressure of that. Once you finish high school, you have to go to college and you have to, Mm -hmm. you know, do the four or maybe eight years or whatever. When honestly, you don't really need that if you know what you want to do. And even if you don't know what you want to do, there are so many resources out there for you to be able to experiment and try. I feel like there's like a vacuum Mm. Um, where when you get out, it's like people are starting to say that, you know, college is overpriced and, Mm. and there's so much more accessibility as far as learning anything and connecting with people to, to get into places. Um, but it's almost like, I think if I were getting out of high school right now, I would, I don't know if I would do what I did, which was go to straight to junior college. Mm. Um, yeah, I just feel like it's it's a weird vacuum where we've done that thing for so long where it's like, oh, then you go to college and then you study what you want to do and then you get out of college and then you go do it. Where now there's all these alternatives, but there's oh, not, yeah. not really – they're sort of not concrete. They're like kind of fluid alternatives where you kind of got to find the right wave to jump in and like write it out to a career. Like it's – there's no like set like oh I'm not gonna go to college I'm gonna go and do this thing for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I, you, I, go, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I mean, but that's but okay. Before it was much harder to have that type of mindset where you know you just kind of you don't really know which direction you're gonna go you don't know what you're gonna want to do. But now, like you said, there's so many resources and so many routes you can take, and it's and it's so easy for if for some reason. You just decide. Well, I don't want to be a web designer anymore. Okay, I want to. I want to be a programmer. I mean, before you'd have to, if you wanted to do that kind of switch, you have to spend maybe a year or two and it spend lots of money on all kinds of stuff, you know, for books and classes and stuff. But now you can be like, you can just like switch that right now and choose a whole new path without that much trouble or that much effort and probably costing you like nothing. Yeah, I think it's, it's- great. It's interesting, too, because the way I've talked about this before, I think I've probably mentioned it to both of you, um, that when I was done with junior college, finally, and was ready to head into art school and was ready to, like, choose a major, I, it it was about, I I, I was probably, like, five, six, seven years too early to, to be, like, like, if I had to do it right now, I'd, I'd study film, like, hands down. But yeah. back then, it was before, like, the YouTube rev- re- revolution. It was before even, like, iPhones were a big thing. It was, like, right around that time. Like, everyone kind of had a camera on them, but they were, they were on, like, flip phones, <laughs> you know. So it, that excessive, like, the idea back then of, and this wasn't very long ago, uh, of, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to study direction or screenwriting and I'm going to like make movies or something was just like, it was like, no, there's no way you're out of your mind. That's how would you ever become 
and, and director like it was a it was a far greater gamble than it is now because yeah, whereas, the number of avenues you have for yeah. income are infinitely limited and are kind of like blocked by this huge wall of uh I don't know, like industry, everything was about getting on TV or getting in the theater. And there was kind of like nowhere else to go. Yeah. Well, yeah, the industry was in one place. So you, if you went that path, you would go down there and strike out after school, you know, attempt and just like work hard and work and work and work as hard as you can. Like all these other stories you hear, but if I had known, I mean, just even like getting a hold of the equipment to do anything, like it, it's so much easier now. Where you can shoot any everything on your phone. You know, there's the like the the networking that we have now is so much better. Where you can reach out to people and you can learn anything through through YouTube now, and you can yeah. just publish. If you made something, you'd publish it on YouTube, and you know, then you have an immediately accessible like portfolio or resume like video resume if you want so it's that i kind of lament that but but it's also like i am in the place now now that i did go through school and i didn't do that it's weird because i'm in a place where all that stuff does exist and i could go back to school and learn more about that but now there's all these other ways to learn about the craft of you know storytelling through film and, and filmmaking and and I have the tools where I could make something if I wanted to and I'm I'm trying to but it's just it's weird how fast the the world has changed in the past like 10 years absolutely i know for a fact that if i were to start over like out of high school i probably wouldn't have went to itd tech because i think what i would have done is what I actually ended up eventually doing, which helped me get all the jobs that I got, was I just probably would have started a meetup. Like, I, that's what I eventually did, and just start networking with lots and lots of people. And because of that, I was able to get all the jobs that I've gotten over the past years. It's because networking is an extremely powerful thing. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and honestly, I have not shown my resume at any of the jobs that I've gotten. It's be, It's the fact that I went to school, that's like a nifty little bullet point. But it really yeah. didn't doesn't mean yeah. anything. Um, what's every single job that I've gotten that has paid well, I've just gone through somebody I've known. Exactly. Yeah, networking. It's just insanely powerful. It was important. Bef- it was like the most important thing before social networking, and now mm-hmm. it's like it's it's so powerful. Exactly. Um, now there was one more link that I had that I posted. I wanted to go over real quick, and we can move on to the next thing. Is it was called, it's called Lambda School, uh, and it's another startup trying to fix the education thing. And their approach to it is that the only type of things that they have right now is like uh, software engineering and um, excuse me, like web development and I think graphic design. Learn to things. code. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> um, but the, but the catch here with this is that they're doing it like backwards. So uh, essentially, you pay um, after you're done with schooling. You don't pay oh. for like any books or lessons or any of that kind of stuff. Well, it's all isn't this free. is this the one where even whether or not you pay comes down to how much you make? Yeah, so that's that, that's that's how they do it. So essentially, they take a cut 
out of the pay that you get from the job that you that you they'll help they'll help place you and everything, but they slowly just take money from um your salary until you've paid it off. That's funny. Yeah, that's if that's if you're and that's only if you're making like five K, right? Mm-hmm. It's like not not five K, fifty K. That's like a friendlier version of how it works now. <laughs> right, yeah. You take out a big loan and you don't pay until you get a job and can afford to pay. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I, I appreciate the way they've done that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I like that. Uh, I mean, you're getting a free education as, and it's they're helping you get into one of the industries where you could potentially make the most money if you're really good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, and I guess they're also betting on the fact that you're going to get a high paying job so you can pay them back faster. Well, so it's, it's, it's also in their benefit to help you get that job. Right. Because otherwise yeah. they don't get money. So exactly. So, I mean, that's, it's benefiting both, uh, both sides. So that's, that's a, Pretty neat idea. What is it called? Yeah. Uh, Lambda School. I think I put the link in uh, the Google Hangout. I'd yeah. definitely try it out if there was something in there that really spoke to me. I guess um, the problem, not just with this school, but a lot of the like online schools trying to act as an alternative to this, a low-cost or no-cost alternative to this, is that they're all kind of set in the same bits of industry, the same sets of skills. It's all tech. Yeah. Well, I mean, because that's honestly where the most money is right now. Uh, Not only that, but it's where, like, the future of human jobs are moving. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But, I mean, also, Lana, I see where you're coming from it, too. Like, not everyone wants to get into tech, even though it is <laughs> – you can make the most yeah, money. Yeah, we're slowly kind of running out of what else you can do thanks to uh, <laughs> automation, amongst other things. It's funny that creative stuff is – is and, like, artist, artisanal stuff is kind of what's being left. Yeah, it's kind of going up, which I do like. I'm just trying or to, government. like – got to figure out how to get in. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, really, the three of us, if we want this network to be worth a shit. So, I am honestly 100% for more companies popping up left and right to try and solve this whole education problem. Because, I mean, after watching that video, I made a trillion dollars. It's getting worse, it's not getting better. So, I think the more alternatives to traditional schooling or maybe it's not even going to be traditional schooling anymore after a few more decade or two it will probably still be there but uh Mm -hmm. hopefully companies like these will give it the boot and the ass to act right yeah um that's uh one thing i did want to mention um i was listening to a podcast joe rogan did with a guy named andrew yang it's a guy who's uh on the big list of people running for president in the 2020 election. Yeah. Mm. And uh, his big thing um, is something Trump said he was going to do, but I don't think actually has. Uh, he was citing a lot of like waste and a lot of uh, unnecessarily and superfluous stuff within the uh, within like colleges in general where there's a lot of money getting wasted on jobs that don't actually do anything, don't actually serve a purpose. Mm. And 
I think one of the things he said he was going to do if he was elected was kind of like go through that and excise a lot of stuff, hoping that hmm. or believing that it would reduce costs to a significant degree. Um, I kind of hope maybe like all the thing all these things get used in the future. But that's another approach to the uh, issue of college price. What kind of uh, stuff were they talking about getting rid of? Um, I don't remember offhand exactly, but it seemed like what he was implying was that there was kind of like a lot of redundancy within the jobs. Like you could reduce a number of the uh, positions within these like colleges and uh, kind of divide the work amongst a smaller group of people. That's weird. Mm-hmm. A strange thing for somebody who doesn't work in a college to say. But he 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 is a um, industry. He's like he's a he's a entrepreneurial type guy. Oh yeah, so. I wasn't sure if you're talking about Trump or. No, I was talking about Yang. The only thing I cited with Trump was the term "draining the swamp." <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't remember him talking about this, but uh, yeah, I wonder what exactly he was referring to. I mean. There's lots of, you know, I think my, my school was a private school, mm-hmm. and that's a whole other issue, but they, <laughs> they use a lot of their money to buy up real estate around San Francisco to the point where the, the city, like, had to come in and stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, and real estate out there is far from cheap. And I think they paid a lot of recruiters, to, and the recruiters were really... Like, oh, they were aggressive. They were sending me shit yeah. and calling me and yeah. bugging the fuck out of me all the time. Yeah. It's like, this is nice it's, and all, but I can't afford this crap. They were really manipulative, actually, when I remember my first conversations. Um, but, yeah, was there anything else you want to talk about with regard to this, Joe? No, I think we covered all the different mm. parts that I wanted to. Cover Cables, what's your mystery topic? It's not a mystery. I was, I'm pretty sure I go on about it in a podcast that might get released before this. Uh, Devil May Cry 5, but specifically how it relates to Capcom. Well, if you want to talk about Capcom now, I guess we already started, huh? Um, yeah, sure. go for it. We already started, huh? You sound like that old Akira dub. <laughs> <laughs> Weird, huh? But anyway, yeah, so... This is old news by now. Right now, uh, I think Sekiro is the big thing, setting the whole world on fire. But um, before that, at the beginning of March, uh, the big news was Devil May Cry 5. And for anyone who doesn't, who's kind of out of the loop and doesn't already know, it's back. It's back in a big, bad way. Everyone's happy. Uh, Critics are happy. People who don't really mess with Devil May Cry up until this point are happy, and the fans, yeah, we are psyched beyond belief because it 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 does everything right and even did some things right we didn't think were possible, the biggest among them being the third character who fights via proxies, which is to say he summons three demons that fight for him. And... uh I mean, not just if you've played Devil May Cry, but if you've played character action games in general, general, you know that um, skill and difficulty are a heavy thing. So having to 
fight things indirectly seems like an insurmountable feat in a game like this, but it works really well. But this is a kind of a, a turnaround for Capcom, as they've actually been in a bad way for a minute. And I don't know if it starts with Street Fighter V and the fact that they tried to release an incomplete game and sell it to you for full price, but uh, that's kind of where I kind of started to pull away from them. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, so what they tried... fighting games keep doing this. It's really annoying. Well, what they tried to do with five, like, I wouldn't have had a problem with this if they sold it at a budget price. Like, if you say, okay, here we go, this incomplete version is 20 bucks. That would be one thing, because it was uh, online. You know, online multiplayer and all that. And, you know, you're getting the thing early. But... It's it's kind of devious because uh, what they did with five is normally with Japan specific fighting games they'll uh, use arcades to handle a lot of their testing phases. So you'll see a lot of uh, gameplay footage of uh, arcade ga- of the arcade game being played on YouTube before these games actually come out, and that's you know. That's them testing it, going through things, balancing the characters, doing all of that. Street Fighter V, they thought that they could save some money by doing that testing phase online. And it's not as though that is completely wrong, if only because now you can conceivably get people outside of Japan testing things, right? But you release the game at full price. And then when you start adding stuff, you 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 make a DLC. You, you Tekken Seven the thing. Um, a lot of people were unhappy with that, and that kind of put um, Capcom in, in in a sore light with people. Uh, in regards to Devil May Cry, there was also the decision to reboot the series, even though they weren't at any sort of loss with it. I'm sure you guys remember the attempted reboot by Ninja Theory. Yeah, well, wasn't it? Well, I guess it was attempted now that they backed well, down and went back to the numbers. Yeah, I was about to say attempted in the sense that it didn't take off. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was um, it, it was a tricky thing because you might assume that Devil May Cry was doing poor poorly to in order to necessitate that, but Devil May Cry Four was actually their highest selling game. They Capcom considered it a failure because it didn't make the kind of money that was projected and that money projected was basically just okay let's multiply what we made in three um by some i don't know some number i don't know what but it didn't make the money they wanted even though it was the most they'd made on the devil may cry 5 game so they decided to go with the reboot ironically hoping that ninja theory would appeal to a more western audience and having the exact opposite occur um and it shows that uh, Capcom never – there was no hostility between Capcom and Ninja Theory. There's actually a lot of nods to the Ninja Theory game in Devil May Cry 5. But, um, yeah, I kind of want to cite Capcom actually listening to the audience as the reason why it saw success because this started before Devil May Cry 5. It started with uh, – them putting out the feeler via Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition. And I don't know if you could count RE7 as like a test for this sort of thing, but really it started with uh, RE2 Remake coming out. What started? 
what I believe to be Capcom sort of like uh, Capcom coming uh, their upswing. Let's just say that. You don't I think, think it started with RE7? Um, possibly. You could possibly call it that. I wouldn't I feel call like it... there's a, a shit ton of buzz around that game. Well, like, I wouldn't... A lot of really strong reactions. There was, but I wouldn't really call RE6 a flop. Um, I think it was well, but I think it was also people thinking, okay, where do we go from here? Really, where I want to say they started to hit, hit fucking shit is when, uh... <laughs> Uh, Cat, um, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite took a fucking dive. Yeah, I watched a whole video on that, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, it was already in a bad way beforehand, but, uh, Dragon Ball Z Fighters coming out and being the better Marvel vs. Capcom style game kind of like <laughs> pushed their shit in, so to speak. I haven't fucked with those games since two. Uh, I don't, I don't really like the new 3D shit. Uh, one is my personal favorite. But, uh, yeah, RE2 comes out, and not only the game itself is really good, but the, uh, the engine they created for it is, uh, I feel like gonna make them a metric fuck ton of money. It's also, they use that same engine anything? to make five. Have they said anything about what they're, they're gonna, they're gonna use that engine more, or? Well, they used it to make just five. For future games? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's uh, they use the same engine for five, for Devil May Cry Five. Oh, I said you said Resident Evil. No, I, said, I was trying to say that they're using the RE2 engine. They use the RE2 engine to make five. Oh, oh, to Devil May Cry okay. Five. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. And it's the best looking Devil May Cry ever. Though yeah. some of that also has to do with them deciding to finally use motion capture for it. Yeah, I played the uh, the demo for RE2, and that thing's fucking gorgeous. The lighting is fucking so good. Mm-hmm. And the faces, it's just pretty. It is. It looks really good, and I guess a lot of people were not used to a Devil May Cry game looking as good as that. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, yeah. as good as those games are, they always looked uh, kind of basic, kind of butt. Yeah, I wouldn't say they looked bad, but they definitely didn't look photo real. Mm-hmm. Like the fidelity was a little more on the cartoony side. Mm-hmm. I guess that's because they were focusing so much on the gameplay. Oh, yeah. But uh, the gameplay, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt them to improve the graphics because the gameplay's pretty set, pretty solid, and the team they've got there really seems to know what they're doing. Like, for all the shit that got heaped onto the Devil May Cry reboot, um, the gameplay up there was on it was not really one of the issues. At best, it was more the difficulty, but uh, no. As far as gameplay goes, those games have been pretty solid. So they decided to take some of their energy and put it elsewhere in places where they could also improve. So uh, I'm looking here, and, of course, Devil May Cry did extremely well. So did Resident Evil 2. That yep. has been getting a lot of love. Um, Mega Man 11 did pretty good. But then there's a, you know then they have Capcom beat-em-up bundle and the X, Mega Man X Legacy Collection and Street Fighter 30th Anniversary. They're not... They're, I mean, there's not a those lot of are, games they're releasing here. Yeah, those were... Well, and those were just compilations for something. Um, if... 
what Capcom's been doing lately is any sort of indication, then I don't know if those bundles are just like gifts to the fans. Um, I kind of want to say if like their pattern repeats, then their a lot of their releases is kind of like testing the market for other things. Uh, something they released recently was a, uh, like a graphically updated version of the first um, Onimusha game. Mm. Like Onimusha, it was like an update of uh, Onimusha Warlords, which I think was the PS3 port. And it, I, well, I obviously bought it. It looked good as hell, and I think they updated the soundtrack too because that shit is a, that shit was amazing. Um, I think. Don't quote me on this. They might be trying to test the market for a new Onimusha game. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> so if to anyone out there listening, if you want another Onimusha game, maybe think about getting that uh, that Warlords game off of Steam or whatever your digital means of getting shit is. The Epic Store. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, they have that, that and... I guess they've been, I mean, it's been working so far. They seem to be betting a lot on their big franchises, which, I mean, once well, again. Specifically reviving their big franchises. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, Mega Man 11, I mean, it wasn't as big as Devil May Cry or Resident Evil, but it still did pretty well. Well, there was um, a time where Mega Man was the biggest king shit mm -mm. series in existence, Joe. You were, You remember those days very well. Yeah, I guess, I don't know what happened. I guess people just lost interest. Uh, yeah. Um, then there's Monster Hunter. That's insane. Yeah, which they are making stupid yeah. money off of. That's true. Yeah. And not just in just... Japan. It's finally taking off elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Took off here in a big way too. Good like they're, they're they're one of the few older companies that hasn't really shit the bed. Oh, yeah. they've they've shit the bed. They've just had the you know the good good sense yeah. to clean up after but themselves it's, it's, it's more, yeah it's more like they're they kind of have more of a normal like ebb and flow as mm -hmm. far as like you know responding to you know things that don't work versus like konami who just, just yeah we give a fuck yeah anymore. konami shits the bed and you <laughs> ask them why and they're like hey some people some people like shit see these people are eating it we'll just make things for them Ugh. yeah that is a very bizarre company <laughs> or or they're or they're like you see this over here you see this this is called a pachinko machine this is where our money comes from now goodbye it's like goodbye. but you were making money from gamers to yeah yeah eat shit they literally eat this shit you have another metal gear thing you know just just chew on that for a little bit we're gonna keep it's like, oh you want metal gear you better come play this pachinko machine oh castlevania yeah play this pachinko machine yeah <laughs> It's the 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 one bright side is that they they don't give a fuck so much is that they're dog. willing to whore their shit out. Yeah, so we got the so we got you know all those Konami characters in the new Smash. Yeah, we got the Castlevania anime. Mm -hmm. um, recently, they don't, yeah, they don't care anymore. Recently, they just put a <laughs> they put all of, a bunch of uh, Metal Gear soundtracks on Spotify finally, which was kind of Mm -hmm. You couldn't find that shit on there for a long time, but it's it's nice to have out there. Yeah, and it's definitely like a source of passive income for them. But like, it's nice to be able to. I appreciate that. Um, 
the other weird thing is uh, they're like open to working with David Hayter again mm-hmm. <laughs> on Metal Gear stuff. So that's weird. I wonder when somebody's going to come along and be like, hey, let me make a new Metal Gear game and let's get that guy back. I, I feel like that's a question of of when, not if. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. I, I always... I think that that series could benefit from a from having a, a different voice other than Kojima. Uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. like, because there there's a few that were really good, like at the Acid Games and the Game Boy Color game. It, it it may have been interesting. I can't help but uh, wonder sometimes with the places that story went if Kojima wasn't just getting bored and trying to keep himself entertained. That's a whole... Well, I think that's exactly what a lot of it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to say about Capcom? Um, it's just that I'm, I'm kind of uh, hopeful for them. Yeah. Like, I think they may... They uh, may have a lot more uh, successes in their future. They may uh, uh, improve their sort of uh, standing with the fans. Uh whether or not they'll prove their standing with the uh, fighting game community remains to be seen. Yeah. yeah. Since I think their presence at Evo, um, at the coming Evo, I should say, is going to be more sparse than it's been before. I would also like them to do, I mean, they haven't done it in a while, but more partnerships. I mean, they did it with Disney. They did it with Nintendo. I would love to see them start well, doing more of that. Sadly, their last partnership crashed and burned. <laughs> mm. What was that? Uh, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm. But oh, you know, they they and Marvel yeah. kind of did that to themselves. Yeah. I really wish that a company would have the balls to put out a 3D fighter or a 2D fighter, like hand drawn again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would love to see the series go back to that. Yeah, nice. it's 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 the sad reality is that it's way more expensive now than doing something in 3D. Um, I'm I'm not gonna. I, I definitely won't say it won't happen though. Like, yeah, could be. I mean, on the indie scene, it's still happening, but um, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past uh one of the companies to put something like that out if for nothing else than just as something to the fans i'm reminded on on twitter somebody the other day was was and we've talked about this but someone on twitter the other day was like remake fucking maximum carnage in hd mm-hmm. and I'm, i i still want that i want them to take i want them to hand draw a new fucking maximum carnage HD. Well, that awesome. that'll basically happen once either Sony or um, Marvel decides to uh, to depict Maximum Carnage on screen. <laughs> yeah, even then they'll probably just throw out an HD remaster. Eh, they'd probably do both. They'd probably do the HD remaster, and then though the game they'll make will probably be based on their own take. Versus the existing. I don't know if we'll live to see that one on screen. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I mean, it depends. I think really uh, that's going to come down to whether or not Carnage takes off as a character on screen. If they can do him right, then it's going to happen since that's like his uh, biggest thing. 
Yeah, but the the whole thing is it's it's all shit is too like divided up. Like as far as Sony versus Marvel and how Spider Man's involved, I don't think Kevin Feige's probably interested in doing maximum carnage. <laughs> Sony might do it though. I mean, if nothing else, we're probably going to get yeah. Carnage with that next Venom film. Oh, yeah, we're for sure getting him in the next, and that's crazy to me. But that lives in a different universe where you can have someone like Venom meeting someone like Carnage. I mean, uh, and then there's there's still the uh, animated Spider-Man. There's still the uh, Spider-Verse thing. They might do an animated feature right. for it. Right, but the thing is, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of it is... It's just too dark. Like, there's too much killing and shit. Or well, I mean, to change the story to kind of, like, nerf it a little bit. You'd have to nerf it if you want it to be in the mainstream MCU. Yes. But anywhere else, you could probably get it more pure. Yeah. That's a weird one. Um, but, yeah, I guess we kind of shifted into the Marvel talk, <laughs> which was something me and, me and Joe both wanted to talk about. So I guess I wanted to talk about this because I, I just been thinking a lot about Marvel lately, mm. <laughs> and it's it's kind of impossible not to. They've been doing a lot. Right. People have been talking a lot about it recently. Yeah. Well, they always are, <laughs> but things are kind of coming to a head. I, uh, did you guys see Captain Marvel? Uh, uh not, not yet. Not yet. Oh, I was disappointed. Yeah, you said you didn't really dig it. Yeah, it's just not. A well-written movie at all, mm. and I don't think she's very strong as the lead. And he's not even, I mean, it's got Jude Law in it. Yeah, I love Jude Law, but he couldn't really save it. He wasn't utilized that well. I mean, Sam Jackson's having fun, but anyway, I'll let you guys see it. <laughs> it's making a lot of money. Oh, yeah, it's about to make a billion dollars. Oh, yeah, Ooh. it's making a ton hey. of money. Yeah. Um, it's, it's on track for that. Recently, I don't do this enough, even though I should, but I went to the comic book store recently and bought some comics. <laughs> Chamber Cables, I've run this by you a few times, but someone's doing the thing that I always kind of wanted to do. Like, if I could ever write a comic book, it would be like Spider-Man from beginning to end. Uh, and some people are doing it. I read the first issue. It's good. I like it a lot. Oh, like... um. Like a chronological path for him? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's just straight up called Spider-Man Life Story. And, uh, it's, it's basically, like, you get the original origin in the 60s, and then it's, it just follows him, like, as, as if he aged normally. Oh, so yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of going by decade. And what I really appreciated about this first issue was they, they really, Brought it to almost like, because even though the stories, Spider-Man did live in that period of time. It's where he was born and the first stories were told. But mm -hmm. um, th this new writer kind of, I want to say Forrest Gump did a little bit. Not in terms of like he's like Forrest Gump, but they really hammered down that it's like the time and place is the 60s. These are things that are going on like. And, Vietnam weighs mm -hmm. heavy over the whole thing. Peter's you know, going to party to see Flash Thompson off, who's going off to fight the war, mm -hmm. um, which is really, it's some really interesting shit with, with Yeah, that. so kind of like Forrest Gump in the sense that the main character is actually the passage of time. Yeah, 
Well, just in like conveying the feeling, like the spirit of the times, mm -hmm. I suppose, for lack of a better phrase or word mm -hmm. that I'm avoiding using. They had this really interesting dynamic where, where Peter was questioning himself whether he should go and fight, which I never, they never touched that back in the day, I don't mm -hmm. think, which was super interesting. And they had him, he had this, you know, he went to see Captain America, who had his own kind of take on the whole situation where he wanted to go over there, but he wasn't sure. But then there was this this moment where he connects with Flash as Peter, and he's asking, why are you going? And he's like, because it's what Spider-Man would do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I really I really love that kind of conundrum, like yeah. psychologically that it placed on Peter. Um but I'm I'm super excited to see where that series goes. Mm -hmm. um, I like any each issue is like a little thick-ish, and each issue is gonna kind of, kind of cover a decade. Jim Kales, did you ever read Marvels? Uh, no. I think I started to read it for a second, but didn't get around to it. Mm. That's that's where it's actually like set in the '60s and kind of like recounting like the original runs of everything right yeah through the eyes of like an outside observer it's super like yeah it starts with uh namor and the human torch right yeah the original yeah, human torch yeah so i picked their like re-releasing them as like annotated versions mm -hmm. where it has a just a shit ton of like it's the issue but then it has this other like older making of issue and then it has like the scripts and like a bunch of notes on all the panels and all the writings and like old sketches and stuff. So that's super interesting, but that's one of my, that's one of my favorite comics of all time. Cause I, I really love superhero period stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I had, I had to grab this. Um, and I, it's like my, my dream. If I were ever in a position to make something like a Marvel movie or a TV show, I, I would, I would try and do Marvels just because I love that shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so wait, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel came out. We're prepping for Endgame. Mm -hmm. This is a big. Well, setting up basically thing. setting up one last element to be put in play during Endgame. Yeah, it's weird. So, I, Joe, do you want to run over your 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 article there? Yeah, sure. So. Uh, it's just an article I found. It's nothing that is like any type of real announcement, but it's on this website called CBR, um, where they it looks like they just talk about comic book news and yeah, other stuff. Comic and book resource, I think. Yeah. And there was this really interesting article where they were just trying to talk about what's going to happen after Endgame. I mean, we've had all of these Marvel movies, and mm -hmm. I mean, they've <laughs> they've all been setting up for this 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 big moment, this final movie, and all these superheroes, and a lot of them are going to be kind of going. We've heard lots of talk about you know all the actors, their contracts ending after this. Um, mm -hmm. I think was Pepper, the person who plays Pepper. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. She said she's. Yeah, she said she's done after this. We all know Captain America, he's done. So, I mean, who, so in the article is basically they're just kind of talking about who could be the next big, the big villain. Uh, villain. And I kind of like the one they pitched here. It was um, Galactus, <laughs> which, were, which we've already seen in the Fantastic Four. But he hasn't been done well on screen. No, not at, not at all. I, I will say that he has 
I like that portrayal, but that definitely wasn't Galactus. Mm-hmm. That was a way to get around the, the right. fact that he's just a big purple-headed giant. <laughs> yeah, giant purple <laughs> in the man. sky. But giant I mean, if you in a weird ship, uh, if you remember the Fantastic Four cartoon, there was like a whole big thing with Galactus, and I mean, they were really showing. I mean, so he's yeah, a, he was he's a big a, deal and reoccurring oh yeah. in that cartoon. I mean, he's a cosmic being. I mean, he's like one of the big boys. So it's uh, the, the the thing eats planets for Christ's sake. So, I mean, there's a lot you could go with that. I mean, the Silver Surfer has a very sad backstory, but there's a whole bunch you could go off of there. I mean, there's a whole bunch you could do with this particular villain. Now, as for superheroes, I don't know where they're going to go next. I mean, I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. I mean, like, what is it like the next Avengers? Is it like a bunch of younger heroes? I mean, where do you guys think it's going to go? You've got some of it. Well, you've got the younger hero thing in the case of uh, Spider-Man and you have, um, you have the issue, I think after um, Endgame, they're probably going to focus a bit more heavily on the individual characters because all their stories kind of leave off with, uh, big twists like things that are going to create big change like um i don't want to go into what exactly for fear of spoiling the films suffice to say no feel free okay so spoilers for spider-man and black panther immediately um spider-man <laughs> the most popular movies on the planet <laughs> yeah just in case though just in case uh. um like Spider-Man ends with Aunt May finding out Peter Parker mm-hmm. is Spider-Man and Black Panther. It ends with Wakanda's existence in its entirety being revealed to the public. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. places you can go from there. And we've gotten some idea of what they're looking to do with Spider-Man in the trailer. They released for the, for uh, away far from home. Yeah. Far from home. Yeah. I believe that's it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we've got, Doctor Strange, who hasn't really been, uh, they haven't really, you know, dove into yet, and any number of implications as to who's going to be, who could potentially be Cap, should Cap bite the big one in Endgame. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a lot of room, there's kind of a lot of places to go. I think they're primarily going to focus on the characters individually first, and then chances are, if what a lot of people think is going to happen, happen, and most, if not all, of the old crew bite it, then another Avengers movie could just be, we've got to form a new team. Well, I mean, there is the young Avengers. They could basically, like Lionel, go what you said and slowly create a whole new set of movies building up each well, of those individual young Avengers. Well, the thing about the, well, the young Avengers is kind of a different thing. And we've got enough, it is, uh, we've got, well, we've got enough established characters right now that we could mm. put a team together that's familiar this isn't to say they don't necessarily want to create new characters, quite the opposite. But, uh, you know, the Young Avengers is probably not the way you want to go unless they're kind of their own thing. Mm. Though they, they are tied to some interesting stuff, which might be uh, fun to see built up upon within the MCU. But, I mean, Galactus, I mean, he's... Oh, geez, he's like. The thing, uh, the thing about Galactus is, I don't know if you can. 
do another Thanos or even if that, that no. I want to see that again? Well, he's not going to be another Thanos. Um, the thing about I just, Thanos I, I is just you, mean, you can't make a bigger mean, threat than him. Yeah, I just mean like in terms of like threat and scale. Like I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I think it's probably the correct way to go is like focusing more on the individual stories mm. um and you can kind of feel it out and maybe overarch something in there eventually um but i don't i don't think like having the MacGuffins again like i they i think they need to go to a, a different direction like mm. as far as like it's so not gonna then... be you're gonna get tidbits of like galactus is coming throughout the next like 10 movies and then have a big galactus movie i think You'll see Galactus in a Fantastic Four movie. When that oh, happens. I'd like that. Yeah. Um, but I think. Well, so the question then is, who's going to be the next Avengers villain, or who would uh, you want to see if, it, not just if we're not doing Galactus, but if we're going away from the threat of the big king shit bad guy? Oh, you know what? I actually, what I would love to see, um, kind of how it was in Civil War where the villain was like, he just kind of turned everyone. That was civil war, right? When he turned everyone on against each other kind of thing with yeah, Iron yeah. Man. Baron yeah. Zemo. So, yeah. So that, I mean, there really wasn't a big yeah. baddie trying to destroy the world. It was more kind of trying to, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like that. I see, I see I what like you're that. saying, Almost Joe, Avengers movie. but yeah, mm. it basically was an Avengers movie. So mm-hmm. we still run into the issue of uh, retreading old ground. That's um, mm. sort of, I, I think, so this is where, what I think is likely to happen or how I would do it or however you want <laughs> uh, bracket this. Um, so we just had the, the deal go down, like the deal is through. Disney has all their toys now. They can play with all the Fox shit. Yeah. Um, which is why we keep talking about Galactus and the Silver Surfer and shit. Um, oh, it's weird that they, they were able to use the scrolls. I, I forget the, the loophole, why they were able to do that for Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think, I don't think a lot of the Avengers are going to bite the bullet I think my guess is that at worst Cap gets sent back to the 40s or something like that Um, or he just dies I think Mm. he's probably but I don't know it's hard to say (laughs) with that well whatever happens there I I think that the the main Avengers like the the principal actors that we're going to see in this next movie are going to fade into the background a little bit like the way RDJ has kind of been in the background of a lot of these movies, you know, yeah. going back for the big ones. Um, but you know, he's kind of just around just so that the universe still feels filled out, but you don't need the, you know, the ultra commitments that you did when, for like Hemsworth to be in like four, one, two, three, like you, you could pop in once in a while. Um, I think, like Jumper Cables was saying, we have like Doctor Strange, Panther, and Spider-Man who obviously have, you know, a long way to go as far as like stories being told about them. Like they're they're the obvious future. I think now that they have mutants, I think you start introducing 
like an X-Men movie's gonna come. And I think that comes in the form of like, you have a few mutants who have been in hiding, like Chuck Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they've been kind of anomalies where nobody would recognize this. But I, but I, I think the, the, the big, uh, kind of conflict in this universe that that can be stirred up is the fact that, that you know they've already had like the Sokovia Accords and all this mm-hmm. and people wondering what the fuck to do about these superpowered people mm-hmm. um, I think the next epi- epidemic is we see like now the superpowered people are naturally occurring and yeah, they're just folks being are scared born. And yeah. yeah and they're, they're really scared uh, I f- feel like that's probably I mean, at this point, the universe is well-established. Like, that's the only way you can really do it. Um, mm-hmm. and it. And it makes sense, and I think it's compelling. Um, but that gets you a lot of younger talent into these roles, which is weird because we just did that in the Fox films, but I, I don't think they'll care. <laughs> yeah. so, but but I, I think then, then you'll get a lot more, you know, Tom Holland's filling out your roles of, like, Cyclops, you know, Gene... Etc. These really young kids who are trying to figure out their place in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think you'll you'll get some of that filtered in with like old Avengers in the background, combined with like Spider-Man and Panther and and the Fantastic Four, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know after a few years, maybe then they'll do something like Secret War or something. Yeah, or maybe they can actually do a proper Dark Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> an act, well, one yeah. an actual phoenix, and then a truly proper dark phoenix. Because uh, yeah, l- yeah, let me let me just address something and why it never. The real reason why Marvel. it never works. Yeah, the real reason why it never works is because they. Uh, well, it's twofold. One, they either have mutants and no cosmic, or vice versa, or and they like to jump directly past the phoenix saga and go straight into dark phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, that's that's how I think it's going to be handled. I'm excited to see where things go mm-hmm. and who kind of takes center stage. I think cuz a lot of it depends on how they, you know, how they nail that first X-Men reboot um and the Fantastic 4 reboot. Uh that's going to be super interesting to see. But it is it is kind of it's like juicy right now mm-hmm. <laughs> where we're right before the final thing and yeah. then after that everything's gonna change. I don't I don't think it's gonna change in the way that everybody thinks. We're like oh everybody's gonna be fucking dead. But I I think it's it's gonna be a lot different and certainly certain characters will be dead. See I think um, the original team's gonna eat it. I don't or, think the whole team or most of it. Yeah, I, mean, I think we'll I'm, I'm saying like I'll put money on this with you, Mike. Bare minimum, uh, Iron Man and Cap. I think Iron Man or Cap. I'm thinking both. I think Iron Man. I, excuse me. I think Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, has gotten pretty comfortable just showing up mm-hmm. for a day to record some dialogue in a green. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Kind of like uh, in Homecoming. Where yeah, he just exactly. had a couple of scenes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think he's going to keep doing, but to a lesser degree. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think Evans might be out. But I feel like uh, there was all that talk of like, oh, this is my last movie. 
or whatever. And well, then later on, something came out where they were like, eh, maybe not. Well, no, also that they have no problems like lying to the audience to yeah, kind of get the sure. shit across. It's uh, Hulk's presence in the trailer. <laughs> For uh, yeah, for yeah. Infinity War, and, and that I'm cool with, you know. By all means, lie. Well, didn't Robert Downey Jr. already say that he's pretty much he's done? I mean, he'll do cameos, but he's he's like doesn't really want to do it anymore. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's yeah. No, 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 no. You no, you you guessed. You guys were just saying that you know he will kind of show up here and there, but I didn't know if you guys were. But clearly saying like he's completely done with all of it. Well, yeah, if it wasn't because uh, he wants to do other shit, because I think that's really it. He wants to do other stuff. At this point, I I think he can do other stuff, but I, I think it's well more, more so. Not not have to contend of... with like contract and shit like that. Oh. Yeah, well, I think it's more of a case of maybe he if he does want out at this point, because mm-hmm. you could keep doing the way they done some of these movies where he just pops in mm-hmm. like fairly easy um i think it might be like a recognition thing if he mm. really wants out because you know you can make money but at the same time maybe you don't want to like a hugh jackman when he got out you know with logan he mm-hmm. was like end on top and before yeah shit turns bad before it gets tired yeah um but i i feel like he'll stick around mm. They already gave us the fake out in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of fake outs in that one. Um, yeah, that was that was probably one of the most amazing bits of bait and switch I've ever seen. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, so I guess just just point of curiosity, like based on what we know so far. What villains do you want to show up? Not even necessarily a question of who's going to be the big threat. Just like, who would you like to see based on what you think the, based on what way you think the landscape is going to change? Mm, Galactus is an obvious one. And mm-hmm. We already talked about that. Um, we already know we're going to see Carnage, but that's an outside thing. Mm-hmm. Um I would see he's too Tom Holland's too young, but I still want to see Craven's last hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of Spider-Man villains that you know we didn't we haven't gotten a yeah a Norman Osborn yet. I I would love to see I want to see how Norman Osborn plays into the Marvel universe. I would love to see that because mm-hmm. that's a he's such a huge character. Yeah, for sure. Like, especially during the uh, Dark Reign period of the comic books where he's, like, president. Um, Joe, any uh, characters in particular you'd like to see show up following uh, Endgame? Joe, turn your mic on. (laughs) Joe, are you there? Turn your microphone on if you're going to talk, but maybe he stepped away. Maybe he stepped away. I'll take the stage for a second, maybe give him some time to return. Um... Here's here's a here's one probably no one was thinking of. I mean, we could conceivably spin this since we have Doctor Strange, but even more so if a Fantastic Four movie works and we can finally get Doctor Doom, a Doctor mm, Doom that wants great. to be there, is not just Doctor Doom. I want to see Mephisto. Uh, that's right, because who was in Doctor Strange? Dormammu. Dormammu, yeah. 
always confused. I want to say he's kind of like Doctor Strange's go-to villain. Mephisto? Dormammu. Who's that? I've never heard of him. Dor- who's Dormammu? Dormammu. Dormammu. It's, how would you categorize the difference between Dormammu and Mephisto? Because mm. um, one of them's... Which one is more the Marvel devil? Um, no, that's that's Mephisto, hands down. Okay. Then what the fuck is Dormammu? Like, like I think just like an extra-dimensional being. Kind of like, oddly enough, kind of like the way they tried to depict Doctor Doom in that last Fantastic Four movie. Doctor Doom? You mean Galactus? No, no, no. No, when I say the last one, I mean the, uh, the attempt to reboot it. Oh, that. Where they went to another dimension rather than space. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and the Fantastic Four kind of—they have a lot of stories that take place in the. I always forget because they changed it for the MCU, but the what do they call it? The microverse. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was the microverse or something in the comics, but I, what do they call it in the MCU? The, the quantum realm. There it is. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah, yeah, Reed Richards was the one who discovered that in the comics, I believe. Mm-hmm. So wait, he shrunk himself down, or is that, or something? Yeah, is that, I think so. Oh. Mm. Mm. Pretty wild shit. Those old Jack Kirby panels mm-hmm. of what yeah. he did for the microverses. That's amazing work. I love that shit. But yeah, Joe, was there? Or is there anyone specific you wanted to see? Villain-wise, or yeah, villain? Um, either. Mm. I. It would be. Uh, let me really think about that one. Did they already? I guess they already kind of did it. That's not really like a whole big. I was thinking of uh, worlds, like the Hulk when he goes to the planet of the Hulks. And... Oh, oh, and then eventually you get World Breaker Hulk. Um, yeah, did they did they already kind of do that with? Not the really. Movie? They use some of the visuals of yeah. him, like like him and as like the crazy gladiator. They use some visuals of him as as like that take on the Hulk in uh, Ragnarok. But we haven't gotten full full on World Breaker Hulk yet. There's yeah. I remember hearing rumors that we might get some aspect of that in Endgame. Yeah, because there's a whole entire like Marvel storyline where Hulk comes back and just like annihilates a whole bunch of the Marvel. Well, yeah, he's basically he shows up as the villain of the story, and yeah, like, so... you finally get to see Hulk go all out, and it's not yeah. pretty. Yeah, that okay. Well, <laughs> I would like to see that like uh, on the big screen, but I I believe a lot of Marvel heroes die in that storyline. If I correct, so <laughs> maybe they're always uh, fucking dying. That that's true. Um, but um, it would be interesting to see that. I would like to see that. I mean, I guess in that sense, yeah. Uh, Langley Wright, Hulk is the villain in that one. Well, they and, they kind of I feel like they kind of play around with that. Uh, the, some aspect of that in Civil War, where I think it was watching that that I realized that like the the difference between any of these characters we're calling Avengers is and the villains is specifically motivation. Like Iron Man could be a movie level threat for you know for the whole other for for the other side of the team. And, you know, maybe not mm. so much the case with uh, Cap, but Hulk, definitely. So, you know, kind of like having those characters turn around and be antagonists for whatever reasons could make for an interesting story. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I that, that would be interesting. I think I would like that. It would be interesting if they explored that. <laughs> or maybe the Marvel zombies. No, maybe that's going too far in the other direction. Uh, that would be yeah. – that's a that's in a weird place. Yeah. I don't know if mm. that would really – I don't think that would work for MCU, but they could definitely do like yeah. Marvel no. Animated Spin-off? or something. No, like Mar- they could do like Marvel oh, Animated. Oh, about recently. Is a, they're doing a what if show, and I was Ooh. I was hyped, but I I was disappointed a little bit to find out that it's going to be animated. Well, uh, you wouldn't be able to get. Plus. Well, you wouldn't like imagine trying to get the budget for that as a TV show, though. Right. Hey, you can do it. It's it, it's, it's not it's not going to look. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, going to look anyway, right. One last uh, person I'd like to see show up, who we mentioned very briefly for is my favorite Marvel Universe asshole Prince Namor the Submariner <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, just a effing so we're, dick we're going kind of long so uh, let's let's wrap it up with the Stadia talk I suppose streaming alright there's actually a whole bunch going on there I mean there's Stadia there's Walmart there's the new Apple announcement I mean there's a whole bunch of yeah, did you see the article that I posted? Walmart's, Walmart. Walmart's possibly getting into the game streaming business as well. So, it's, yeah, I did want to talk about the the Apple thing. Yeah, State of Play happened too, but it was oh, it was kind that of was too, yeah, it was not some interesting things. Speaking yeah. of Marvel, Camouflage mm-hmm. finally announced a new game, and it's a Marvel VR <laughs> <PR> game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, I guess by. I mean, we also Xbox is coming out with their xCloud thing, and I don't know what PlayStation what is, is up that? to. X, PlayStation is PlayStation now. But is it? Is it? Oh yeah, that's right. They already kind of have it going. Um, uh, xCloud is essentially Microsoft's version of, I guess, called Stadia or OnLive or whatever. Now. Yeah. So pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that these companies are like fucking with this now. Sort of. Well, weird. well, I mean. When on live came out, it the just internet and was not at a good enough speed. I mean, it's still it's better now, but it's still not great all across the you know, United States. But mm-hmm. I think now is probably the best time to do it because it's start you yeah. know things are starting to pick up and the technology has gotten way better and yeah. So now's the time definitely to do it and yeah. Well, with the uh, streaming thing, you stand to, uh, similar to the Wii, you'll get, uh, you stand to uh, snag a group of people that weren't normally a viable market, which is to say, you can, with streaming, people don't have to invest in consoles or even a specially powerful computer, so you can get people who may have wanted to play these heavy-duty console or PC games yeah. that didn't want to, you know, make the investment. Yeah, they're kind of um, their platform is like built into every home already in mm-hmm. some form or another, which is really interesting. Um, but a lot of the technology, I was what I was really impressed with what they're doing as far as like um, you know, seeing a trailer or a review of a game, and then right there, there's just a link. Like, click it, and then you're in the yeah, game. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, and being able to have your, you know, you be playing something on your phone, and then immediately switch to, like, 
your PC or your TV, and it just seamlessly it's it's moved now, um, stuff like that, and the stuff like saving uh, game states, yeah, for other people to jump in to like the exact conditions mm-hmm. you were just in, um, yeah, and like the picture-in-picture stuff, like uh, basically. You know, because of the amount of computing power they have, basically turning any co-op game into a couch co-op game, if you want. Like, a lot of really interesting stuff that they talked about. Uh, they've been getting a lot of heat just because of the concept, but I think what they're doing is actually pretty innovative. Yeah, and, I mean, they're getting a lot of heat with the same thing that OnLive got a lot of heat for, and pretty much every single gaming streaming service that's out right now is getting it. It's just because the lag and that stuff. And what if I'm playing, you know, a, an online game where you have to have perfect precision yeah. and all that kind of stuff. if you're playing a fighting and, game or something like that and the frames drop. And... Yeah, I mean, it's yes, that is a problem. And yes, there's still many, many parts of America where, you know, they're still on dial-up and it's still really, really bad. But... I mean, I think there's still a large enough percentage that if they were going to release this, and it's coming out in 2019, that I think there's enough people there who would be able to use it and uh, enjoy it, that it's not that big of a problem. It's still a problem, but not as big as one I think people are trying to make it seem like it is. I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, me and Jumbo Cables played a shit ton of, like, Splinter Cell Conviction back in the day. Mm. And it was a little like laggy sometimes, but it was like extremely playable, and that was oh, what, yeah. like like ten years ago or something. Yep. I don't know if it was ten years ago, but you get the idea. It was a while ago, and Moore's Law. We've gotten better technology, so right. It's 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 really strange for me to see people just write it off because like oh like it's gonna be too laggy and unplayable. It's like mm. it's like, like when they compare it to on live, I'm just like it doesn't on live like, that was a timing issue, obviously. I remember when this shit worked almost a decade ago. Of course it's gonna work now. <laughs> yeah. Well I mean also too you have to think that unlike on live, which was an independent company trying to raise tons and tons of money, trying to work around all the different I um ISPs and you know uh, all that stuff, while Google they have huge infrastructure like a nationwide and they have huge, like a, they have like really good partnerships with Comcast, Verizon, like all the, they have everything they need to make this work really, really well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that is one of the reasons that on live failed because it just didn't, they were trying to work with what they had and they didn't have a lot. They had money, but that was it. So. Yeah. And it's, and it's also like, a, it, kind of is a platform of its own where people are developing mm-hmm. games for it um, that utilize it in interesting manners that can only be utilized this way somewhat. Yeah, and I also really like the fact that they're deeply integrating it into basically all things Google. Yeah. I mean, you're, you were mentioning how you could like get a little URL or a snippet so people can kind of jump and play wherever the person's last, where they were last playing, and I'm sure it deeply integrates with YouTube and Google Google Home, and I mean, you can transfer it to any type of device that's running something that has Google on it, like Chrome, or you know, probably uh, it's everywhere, everywhere, pretty yeah. much on every platform. It's, just a, it's a brilliant maneuver to be it like is. we're releasing a new console, and literally every single person in the country already has it. 
right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing that's missing is a controller, which they said they're going to be releasing their own, but it's also going to uh, work with other third-party ones. So yeah. I mean, you're you're good to go. On a, they're this was the perfect way to release this. I mean, there's not any special hardware you need. There's nothing. You just, if, if you can run YouTube, <laughs> you can play these games. Yeah. So, I mean, that's genius. Uh, and then the other announcement was, um, with Apple, which just came out on Monday. So like a day or two ago where they're not doing streaming, they're doing a subscription service, but they're also doing the whole, it's on every access on every platform approach where on any Apple device, you'll be able to play uh, a certain set of exclusive games. Yeah. So, the arcade. yeah, which I mean, there's, uh, it's neat that you can play it on an Apple TV, which I use, which I have that. I mean, you can play it on a Mac. Uh, you can play it on, you know, if you have an Apple device, you can basically play it on there. I just don't like that. All the games on there are locked to that platform. I mean, they haven't, said how long these exclusive deals are going to be for, but from what they announced, it pretty much sounds like you're making games just for that platform. Um, yeah, I mean, so. their, their entire conference was kind of based around the idea of that they are now mm-hmm. publishers of gaming content and yep. television content. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're like stepping up. They want to be a creative studio now, which is... I suppose there's room for it, um, mm-hmm. and I guess if anyone was going to do it, it would be Apple since they already there. They also announced some credit card stuff, but I, it's, yeah, because they're so ubiquitous. Everyone mm-hmm. has an iPhone or or a Mac or you know whatever the fuck. Uh, it's just there already, so they can push their their content and and they even said that they were going to work on getting Apple TV stuff onto like you know other. Like streaming devices. Roku was one they had talked about uh, yeah. getting yeah, the TV app on there. Um, now, with all of this stuff, the one iTunes. thing they, yeah, iTunes, they did not talk about and was the pricing. Um, they, I mean, with the, the Apple thing, it's going to be a subscription, but they haven't really stated how much money it's going to cost. But it's neat because you can just, you know, you pay a certain set of money and you get access to all these games and all the platforms. Didn't they say it was $10 a month? I didn't hear that. If so, that's a, that's a, that's awesome. That's really cheap. I remember uh, hearing ten dollars a month a couple of times. I think it was for that and for Apple TV Plus as well. Oh wow. Okay, that's. Oh man, that's I like think. the perfect. Yeah. But it, it makes sense that it's like the perfect price. It's a little bit cheaper than Netflix and. Yeah. Whoo! That's really smart. <laughs> that just yeah. drastically lowers the barrier of entry. Uh, Stadia. Yeah. They didn't announce anything. Yeah. Stadia didn't announce, they didn't, Google didn't announce anything for the pricing for that. Um, Hopefully it's going to be low. But, um, like, there have been some rumors that how it's going to be set up is that you still, still pay full price for the game, but now you just have the ability to stream it across all the platforms. I hope that's not true. I hope it's just kind of, you know, you pay a set price and you get access to all these games. All these different companies that that would be, I mean, publishers. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I am 100% down for this. This is this way. I don't need a, a beefy computer. I don't need a gaming console. I literally all I you need. You don't is a game. need to 
drop hundreds of bucks before you can even try something. Yep, yeah. it's just it's there, and you can play it from anywhere. That's a huge boon to accessibility. Mm-hmm. Just anybody just like, hey, you don't need a console. Like, you want to try this 10 bucks a month or whatever the fuck? Yeah, because I can remember how, how much of a godsend on live was for me at the point in time that it was out. Yeah, me too. I, I couldn't, I could hardly run shit. I couldn't run anything new. I played through Arkham Asylum and mm-hmm. Conviction with you. Yep. Those were like state of the art back then. Yeah, that's how I played uh, Assassin's Creed 2 as well, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Arkham Asylum and Conviction. And I want to say at least one other big name game, but I can't remember off the top of my head. They're also like Jade, Jade Raymond. Yeah, is that her name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She. Big time. Yep. And also Phil Harris. Harris. Yep. Um, they um Harrison. <laughs> yes, thank you. They uh, they're heading up the studio. They're uh, Google's first party gaming studio. So I'm really curious what they're going to be developing. Of course, it's going to be for Stadia, but I mean, what kind of? Well, they're both yeah, veterans, wondering. so yep. I think it's things going to be competitive. It's mm-hmm. it's funny right now, like it's announced, and it to me it sounds amazing. A lot of people, there's a lot of skeptics, uh, but really, we just don't know how mm-hmm. this is going to play out and what it's going to look like. But I am curious to see what this looks like six months in, a year in, um, and and what the reaction. Because depending on how how well this does. Um, I just want to see how Sony and Microsoft go forward after something like this. Yeah, because it really does change the industry. It's like yeah, it'll give them the kick in the ass they probably need. Well, well, I'm sure they didn't expect this. I mean, no one knew what Google. I mean, they had like ideas because after they did the whole um, like Assassin's Creed thing, streaming that you know as a test on Google Chrome. But no one really knew what they were gonna come out with, and I'm, I'm sure when someone at Xbox like or Microsoft saw it, it's like, fuck, we didn't even, and you can copy parts of the game in the little URLs, and we didn't even, we're not ready for this. So it's, it's going to be very interesting what they have planned at yeah. E3 since the stage is theirs, <laughs> everyone else is gone. Best case scenario, this shit takes off and it mm. changes the landscape. Oh yeah. PS5 looks a little like it's you know, am I gonna pay like a couple few hundred more for something that's like an exclusive only machine? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Or do they they do them and Microsoft start partnering up? Well, I mean if you you gotta think that Microsoft their strategy so far is like we gotta get our stuff on everything. Because mm-hmm. they're on Switch Xbox Live is on Switch. Yeah. They're starting to uh, expand to other areas. I mean, yeah, they're everywhere. Like uh, the crossplay, I believe they're on. I mean, their their strategy is just you know we can't just focus on just you know being our own yeah. thing now. We got to get on up it. with that. I've heard something about Microsoft and Nintendo, but what's going on? Microsoft what? So Xbox Live is on Switch. Yes. So Xbox Live, the service is on Switch. So the games themselves. They're not like Xbox games are not on the Switch, but the ability like think Fortnite. Fortnite is on. Oh, so you can play yeah. things on the Switch with people who are on the Xbox. Correct. Well, that's the crossplay part, but the uh, Xbox Live part. Think that 
you can play Fortnite on the Switch and unlock achievements on Xbox Live, that kind of thing. That's, uh, yeah. Okay. So, they're, I mean, it's smart. They're basically spreading all of their services around to everything. So, you know, if you're not on their platform, you're still engaging with their platform. Yeah. So, which is smart. Yeah, they seem to have... They seem to be planning, uh, and it's, mm-hmm. I think we chastised them a little bit recently for, you know, why would I buy one of those when my PC can run all that shit and you're putting it all on PC? Um, I think maybe they just had a little bit more foresight as to where yeah. the landscape is going to go. Like, I don't know, maybe they saw some of this shit coming before we did in terms of, you know, the, the platform isn't the most important thing. It's the brand. Yep. And also you have to think too that with this whole Netflix of gaming thing that everyone's trying to start <laughs> trying to start doing, they they already had Game Pass. Game Pass already has already kind of been if you want to call it the Netflix of gaming because they give you access to a whole bunch of games for a set price and you get access to all of them. It's not streaming them, but like you download them on your Xbox and whatnot. But the fact is you pay one set price each month and you get an access to a ginormous library of games you can play. I forgot about that. Yeah. So now if you got to think this would be a genius move by, um, by Microsoft. If at E3, they announced the, the X cloud thing or whatever. And they said that, it's now going to be something that you can play on all the different consoles. So if they have Xbox Live and they have their cloud service and Game Pass all on the Switch, so now you can stream Xbox games through their xCloud thing on the Switch with, <laughs> with you know, the Xbox Live stuff and use Game Pass. So it's, yeah, they can go a lot. They can go pretty far with this stuff. Uh, and I, I think that's their plan. They're already going to do... The cloud stuff and the Game Pass stuff on the computer, on the PC. So, I mean, it's, yeah, they're, they have some big plans. So it's going to be really interesting what they, what they present at E3. That's, yeah. I wonder what the fuck is the future. Just fucking <laughs> two or three years out, I wonder what that looks like. Well, I mean, there's something to look for, like, maybe the first time in a while, there's something to look forward to with a sense of wonder. Well, okay. So, what is play? Uh, what's Sony's plan then? Like, you, re- I really haven't heard anything of what they're actually. Weren't they already working on their own sort of streaming setup? Well, they well they purchased Gaikai a long oh, we time about ago. They have PlayStation Now right now, which I believe. Yeah, which that's true. Stream. Uh, I don't know if you can do PS4 games, but uh, I think a big chunk of the PS3's library is on there. Yeah. So they have that, and they have PlayStation Plus, which gives you like some free games to download every month or whatever. But um, as far as that realm, that's what we know from them. But I'm I'm really curious as to what the fuck the PS5 is gonna look like or even be. Yeah. Because at, at this point, I I guess it doesn't feel like I was a late adopter, but I guess mm. I was kind of of the PS4. And there's still a bunch of shit that I'm looking forward to coming out for PS4. So PS5 to me is just like, I don't, I don't know. Are we going to keep cycling here? Like, I feel like they can't just put out a more powerful machine at this point. And also too, uh, Xbox is coming out with a disc list uh, Xbox. So Mm -hmm. they're already starting to focus on just, you know, you just, you, they're seeing, you know, doing this 
is kind of like the past now and the future is all just digital or just streaming. So they're already slowly moving closer and closer in that direction. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to know what Sony is. I mean, they're not presenting, so I don't know what their plan is. I don't know what they're doing. And apparently that thing that happened today, or was it yesterday? You had just mentioned it. What was it called again, Mike? Uh, State of Play. Yeah, people weren't happy with that thing. I, I missed it, but apparently it was really short, and they didn't show a lot of stuff. Or I saw it. It was just like, I don't know why uh, people were mad. Like, some of the games were stuff we knew about. Um, okay. There's really, there was a couple of announcements. It was, it was heavy on VR, but it was literally just a, uh, a thing they threw up that was like 20 minutes going over some, some games and shit that are coming out. Like, nothing to get mad about. Well, I think I think people were getting a little fussy from what I kept reading is because they kept trying to compare it to uh, Nintendo Directs. They kept trying to compare it to, like, say, this yeah. is because they're but not Sony a Sony wasn't game. doing that. Other people uh, were, yeah. and they were like, eh, this is terrible. But, I mean, it, they really just dropped mm. some announcements, and this was the way they chose to do it. It wasn't gotcha. like this replaced anything else or something. Hmm. guess we'll see. Yeah, is there... Uh, We've gone on for quite some time, so I'm going to forego my other topic. Is there anything else you guys want to shit out of your mouths? <laughs> no, I think you covered a lot. Uh, Yeah, I think we're good. Cool. Talk to you motherfuckers next month. Thanks for tuning in. Oi, boy. Indeed. anti-imperialist, tough, warm, queer femme. Warm? <laughs> Black Lives Matter, FTP, anti-Zionist, abolitionist, Syrian Jew slash witch. <laughs> Nothing about that says... That's You know what? There's two things I can't stand seeing... When people like that are like going on about whatever the fuck it is they're going on about, is when they try to describe themselves as anything like warm and fun.
Anytime they try to describe themselves as fun, I just get mad. <laughs> it's like you are like too serious and stressed out and irritated all the time. Ain't nothing about your ass fun. Mm-hmm. 